0: Well, Ricky, here we are, week number three on this uh, wonderful set that we continue to morph and change and and uh, set up so that we can continue to worship and praise God even in these times of remote isolation and and social distancing. Uh, this morning we are going to be reading the traditional Palm Stun- uh, Palm Sunday reading. Uh, this is from Matthew's Gospel. The triumphal entrance of Jesus is in all four Mm -hmm. Gospels, but we're gonna be reading from Matthew this morning. I wanna start with that story as we kick off our message. It is found in Matthew 21, and we're gonna be reading from verses one through uh, 11. I'm gonna start with one through nine though. Listen now, as God unveils this amazing story of a triumphal entry. When they had come near Jerusalem, and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied, and a colt with her. Untie them, and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. They A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them had followed. They were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Thanks be to God for the reading of this holy scripture. Amen. Amen. So, I can remember... One of my favorite Sundays is Palm Sunday because this is the time when the kids, and and it's so fun to see them, a lot of the little tiny ones, right? They come in, they're waving their branches because somebody has given them this branch, which they don't really (laughs) know what it's about. And their little faces as they walk in big church, and they're waving these branches, and people are cheering. People are excited as they come in. They really don't get it, but they're waving it anyway. So can you remember what it was like for you when you came in the church waving the branch? Oh
1: yeah, I loved it. That's one of my favorite Sundays as a kid. I remember waiting outside and, and you know, the children's minister would always line all of us up kind of in the area right outside the sanctuary right, and then right. distribute palms and I always thought I wanted the biggest of the palm branches. <laughs> <laughs> and and then afterwards, we got to march all through the church and we're waving and everyone's singing and everyone's looking and we're not really singing because we're paying attention to the kids. Right. And I'm always remembering being so upset. They won't let me keep the palm branch. Oh, when, well I, when I, when I let, you know, I guess we actually do save them and use them for next year's yeah. Ash Wednesday. But it's just such a jubilant and celebratory time. I think it's, it's one of my high points of my memories right. of church as a child.
0: Right. I can imagine what it was like, especially in this story. It's kind of some things that strike me. This is the only story where there's two donkeys uh, that Jesus actually rides both of them. At <laughs> which, which you know, I can only imagine what is that like as he sit on the taller one and put his feet on the on the shorter <laughs> one. I looked up some images, and throughout the week I saw um, images of Jesus sitting on one and the and the actual the baby the full which was c- coming behind. But the other thing that it says in here is that they had never been ridden. And that that strikes me as odd. How did Jesus get on a donkey that had never been <laughs> ridden? I mean, didn't didn't he buck a little bit? Didn't she kind of give him some yeah. trouble as she was going along? And 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 then I imagine that you know that these donkeys they're pretty short, right? And so I thought about you, Ricky. Like <laughs> like this donkey probably comes up to your waist totally. And then how would you you know get your legs over right. the donkey? I'd be dragging my feet at, on the ground the whole time. Your feet on the ground. Uh, yes, it was a a jubilant time, and the people, the children, all run around him. They 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 come up to him, and they are waving the branches. They're throwing the cloaks down like they're like they're paving the way mm. into the city. Yeah, and then yeah. things begin to change.
1: Yeah, because that's yeah. really not the end of the story. Right, where we left off. At the end of the story is this: they're all they're all having the parade and shouting hosanna, and, and the children are there. And but then it picks up in verse ten. It says, but when, when he when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil. Wow. Asking Who is this? And, and the crowds were saying, Well, well this is the, the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. You know, I, I think it's such a shift in tone here when outside the city it's, it's beautiful, it's jubilant, it's celebration, it's triumphal entry, it's kids waving palm branches and singing Hosanna and people laying down their, their coats ahead of Jesus for him to process down like the red carpet. But then once he hits the gates of Jerusalem, it says the scene shifts, the tone shifts, and the whole city is in turmoil. You know where else Matthew uses this word, ter- turmoil? A couple chapters later, when Jesus is being crucified, Jesus breathes his last on the cross, and it says two things happen. Matthew says, when Jesus dies, the temple of the curtain gets ripped in two, and in Matthew, there is an earthquake. The earth shakes and trembles and rocks split in half. And you know the word Matthew uses for that earthquake? Turmoil. Turmoil. The earth is trembling. The earth is, uh, uh, has tremors running through it. The earth is in turmoil. And then again, at the very end of the gospel, after Jesus has been buried um, very early on that first day of the week, when an angel shows up at the tomb and there's two guards standing outside and, and you can only imagine the sheer terror that the guards experience. They are are trembling. There are tremors running through their body, like knee-knocking terror. And the word Matthew uses there is the guards were in turmoil. turmoil. So we read this and we say, what what does it mean for Jerusalem to be in turmoil, for Jerusalem to be Having, having knee-knocking terror or tremors running through the city that you can almost feel the whole city is in turmoil and and everything shifts
0: including the people yeah because outside the city they seem to know jesus or at least know of him they're excited they anticipate that this is the one this is the one that's going to save them yeah. they are impressed they love this man but as soon as they enter in the enter the city people become suspect yeah Begin to say, who is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah and right I'm, up to the temple.
1: And, and and you know, I think people begin to realize what's going on here when he gets into Jerusalem. This isn't just some fun spur of the, spur of the moment. Let's let's throw a celebration. This is almost looks like a pre-planned political protest. Wow. So on the east gate, Jesus is marching in with the palms and the branches and on his donkey. But you know, there's another parade that's happening on this very first day of Passover on the Western Gate, on the opposite end of the city. Because every year on the first day of the week of Passover, the Roman governor would march into the city of Jerusalem. And and this particular year just happened to be a man named Pontius Pilate. Hmm. And so on that particular day, Pilate would have been marching in to the center of Jerusalem through the western gates, dressed in his regalia on, a—I can only imagine, a, a war horse of sorts that's draped in the finest military parade garb, and behind him are legions of the Roman Empire, of Roman soldiers and footmen and chariots and horseback. And you can imagine what a different kind of parade this is that's happening at the western gates where the peace of Rome that is ushered in at the end of a sword is being protested by the peaceable kingdom that Jesus is ushering in where people beat swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks. And you know where Pilate's going. It's the same place Jesus is going. Jesus is marching to the temple mm-hmm. in the middle of the city. And, and you know what's right next door to the temple? is the understand. governor's palace. Yeah. And the garrison where the military stay and so it's almost like a head-to-head oncoming collision that you can sense right people can sense the tension in the city and uh, the whole earth just shakes as people recognize what's going on
0: right this is the beginning in the gospel of everything about Jesus's ministry changes mm-hmm. until this time in the gospel he has been in the countryside he has been teaching he has been healing he's been bringing this new message this different kind of message of hope that the people have been wanting but as he enters the city this time it is a shift as we talked about everything yes. begins to shift everything begins to be sh- shrouded in darkness yeah. and shadows. Yeah. kind of reminds me of this week in our world. Amen. We've been now three, four weeks into this uh, COVID kind of stay isolated, but this is the week that I've heard from more and more families that said, I'm doing less and less. I'm beginning to to really see how important it is to stay shut in. I'm beginning to see how how this, this disease has taken a, a shape that is no longer just a, a map with numbers. It's no longer a count of cases. These cases are now turning into actual names and stories of people that we know. The yeah. newscasters are telling us about the coach that coached a girl's soccer team. And we hear these wonderful stories, these human stories, and we begin to take real this, this sense of, of darkness mm-hmm. that's spreading across our land. This is also the week when we get news of not only stories about someone we might not know, but stories about someone we know. And it turns more to a relationship. Yeah. It, it's it's a, a week in which we find ourselves tested and a week when we find ourselves asking, how is it that we get through this very difficult weeks that lie ahead?
1: Yeah. And that, that's the power of the story for me, right? Is because, especially in our situation, we we know that um, things are going to get worse before they get better, right? Wow. For right. the first time this week, Cast and I, we, we know people, the two of our pastors in the North Texas right. Conference, who right. um, are, are, are doing okay, and, and they're being well-served by the medical community, but but the coronavirus became real faces of people we know and love. Right, right. And, and we look and we say, what, what do you do when you look ahead and all you can see is turmoil and darkness in front yeah, of you? That's right. And I think that's what the core of faith, right? What faith is, is not this set of rose-colored glasses. It's not sunshine and rainbows mm-hmm. and unicorns all the time. It's not a promise of an easy life. But, but faith is walking with Jesus mm-hmm. in the midst of turmoil. That's right towards a place that, if you're peering down the road, seems awfully God-forsaken in some of the days that lie ahead. Yeah. And Jesus knows where he's going. Jesus has told the disciples where he's going. Mm-hmm. We're on our way to Good Friday, some of the deepest, mm-hmm. darkest, seemingly God-forsaken moments in Jesus' life. Right. But faith is walking with Jesus into that, into the turmoil, knowing not only that we're not walking in the midst of this alone, but knowing that Jesus has walked here before us, has gone ahead of us down this road. And that I believe makes all the difference in walking alongside Jesus in these uncertain
0: times. It does, Ricky. And one of the things I'm reminded is how Jesus doesn't just let the people watch and observe. He gives them something to do. Yeah. Even in the upper room, he yep. gives the, the disciples a meal to cook. He gives them uh, something to do with their time for the days that lie ahead. And so in the midst of this, even in our own world, or in our own struggle, there are things that help us live out our faith. And so I think about the things that we can do each day to engage in our faith, uh, not only calling upon our friends that we know might be um, in a particular time of isolation and making sure they know that we're still thinking about them, but also some really tangible things like joining a Bible study mm-hmm. online. There's Even this morning, I know a couple of our Sunday school classes have been doing a oh. Zoom session. So to stay connected with your Sunday school uh, class through uh, these online tools is really important during this time. And to stay connected, with our ongoing Bible studies that meet on, uh, now we've moved to just Thursday at 9 a.m. So these uh, Zoom times allow us to do that. And our digital small groups, I had one this week. It was great. We had so much fun together. We kind of processed the sermon and we learned what was going on in each other's lives. It was a way to not only see each other's faces, which I tell you, I miss each of you Mm. so terribly during these times. So it's good for me to see your faces, but it's also good for me to hear your voices and know that, that we uplift and hold each other in prayer.
1: Yeah, and particularly during Holy Week this week, there would be so many additional ways for us to engage. And so may one of the ways that we engage is by centering every single morning in our devotionals that are coming out from our ministry staff who have, uh, let me tell you, been praying for this church and this community, many of you by name, day after day after day. We, we so miss getting to see each other in person. And so this small offering, this small gift from our hearts that might help center your day each day in Holy Week as we walk through Jesus day by day um, walking towards the cross and ultimately through the cross to resurrection on the other side. Amen. Amen.
0: And later this week, there'll be another opportunity to worship on on perhaps the most quiet and uncelebrated day of the week, but most holy of all of them. Yeah, The silence of Good Friday. And in the midst of that, in that midst of that space where something nothing seems to be happening that's when the greatest gift is happening and so we will be celebrating that in a tenebrae service at five o'clock on friday like ricky had mentioned in our announcements and we hope that you will find time to reconnect with your faith in a very profound way on that day yeah Yeah.
1: this is and this is the way that, that we do faith. This is what we've been talking about all Lent, the walk, how it is we bridge the gap from what happens on Sunday mornings to what happens the other six and a half days of the week, wow. how our faith uh, gets lived out, how we become the hands and feet of Jesus. It's, it's to engage. It's right. to engage in our personal devotions and in the way that we serve our family and our neighbor. It's to engage. It is. And I think that's the call for us this week in particular, as this is the week that things begin to shift. In the story of Jesus, so significantly, how quickly the shouts of Hosanna turn in the cries of crucify him. But also in this world, in the moment we're living in as the world around us begins to change, to know that in these times of uncertainty, in these times of anxiety, in these times of earth-shaking turmoil, to know that we do not walk this road alone, but that we walk alongside Jesus. Most certainly is taking us towards a cross but through death always to new life on the other side. thanks be to God thanks be to God amen, amen. you know friends during during this time in worship, we uh, normally would uh, pass our our offering plates, but since we can't get our offering baskets to each of you at home i I want to share for just a moment a, a testimony about the radical generosity of this community at work. Three or four weeks ago, when we first began to pivot and transition into this new season, one of the things that we immediately knew is that we wanted to be able to serve our neighbors who are on the financial edge well. Uh, during the year, we always operate our Sunshine Fund, which is supported by special offerings and offerings left at the communion rails on the first Sunday of the month. And that's what we use when a neighbor comes in the door and maybe they need help paying a utility bill or a little bit of gas in their vehicle to get to a doctor's appointment or a, or a job interview. Uh, on a normal year, you know, we, we, we are blessed to receive uh, somewhere between ten and $12,000 in gifts that we then give out to support our neighbors on the financial edge. And over the past three weeks, we have received what we normally receive over the course of a year, 10 to $12,000 to help support our neighbors who are on the financial edge in this season. And I just want to say thank you for the incredible, heartfelt compassion and generosity of this community at work. You all are committed in so many ways to helping us be the hands and feet of Jesus. And because of your radical generosity, we are so well positioned to serve our neighbors, our friends who are in need on the financial edge during this season. I want to encourage you, as you think about ways you give to the church, to continue to give generously financially as you're able. And in particularly during this season, I want to encourage you to make those gifts to our general fund the undesignated gifts to the general fund is the ways that we support all the ministries of the church so it's not only how we're uh, uh keeping our stage lights on and and our tech working and helping making worship happen on a sunday morning but it's also how we're supporting our administrative staff who has been working tirelessly behind the scenes to help keep our church running and operating and serving our neighbors it's helping support our ministry staff who uh, help put together incredible things like our decatur cares mobile food pantry where we mobilized uh, many, many of our young families to put food into the hands of 135 families yesterday, families who are on the edge of not knowing exactly where their next meal may be coming from this season. I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that every time you give to this church, you are making a difference in the work that Jesus is doing through us, even in this strange, anxious, and uncertain time. I would invite you, whether you give online or whether you drop a check in the mailbox and send it to our P.O. box, I invite you to continue to give generously so that God might work through us. My friends, would you join me in prayer? Holy God, we are so grateful for the many ways which you have richly blessed us in our lives. And we offer simply a portion of those gifts back to you today. God, we pray that you might bless those, that you might multiply those, and that you might use them for the building up of your kingdom, of your peaceable kingdom of love, that conquers even the greatest forces of anxiety, uncertainty, and death. That through our gifts, you might work resurrection. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.